coming up on today's episode. I mean, there's a body of evidence that says that giving not only increases happiness, it's protective of your heart and makes your heart healthier. It affects every cell in your body. It decreases depression and raises feelings of well-being and happiness. It raises endorphins. I mean, there's just so much evidence. Hey, it's Josh Carey, the hidden entrepreneur. Why is that? Well, I spent 40 years hiding. That's right, showing up in every situation, hiding my true talent, my true ability in exchange for seeking the approval of others. No more of that. I'm now on a mission to help those do exactly what you've always known is possible. This is how it's done. Ah, uh, you chose a fine, fine day to push play and tune into this episode. It's no secret. Uh, I'm sitting here with one of my favorite people who I'm guessing will now be a unit of favorite people because I'm joined not only by somebody that I've spoken with uh, probably nearing a half dozen times on shows and events like this. It's John David Mann, but I'm also joined by his wife. It's Anna Gabriel Mann. They are together the authors of the newest book in the Go-Giver Universe series. It's called The Go-Giver Marriage, John and Anna, so good to always be with you and to meet you, Anna. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Excellent. John, how are you? I'm doing great. Great to be here. She's heard a lot about you because I've talked about you for years. So here we are. It's cool to be here in the same virtual room. Yeah, I love whenever there's an excuse that we could ping each other and <laughs> get to talk and record Today uh, is the the excuse is the Go Giver Marriage, which I had the luxury to read, and it is it's just phenomenal. You know, I've made it clear that I've I've consumed most of, if not all, I'd have to go back to the uh, the checklist uh, of the Go Giver series, the original Red Classic, the Go Giver with Bob Berg, but this one, in fact, if I'm not mistaken is the first without your previous co-author. Yep, yep. We approached Bob, actually. when We had the idea for this book. I had the idea for this book, really, back when Bob and I were first drafting The Go-Giver, years before we had an agent or a publisher. So wow. we're talking 2005. We were first working on that book. And uh, Anna read the first draft and, and was like, you know, we could make a great book about marriage and relationships, a Go-Giver book about marriage and relationships. And so, you know, we've had this idea for well over a decade, almost two decades. And when, we, when it was time to start bring, to realize it and bring it into physical being, we talked, to, we talked to Bob and said, you know, we should write it, the three of us, Bob Berg, Johnny Baban, Anna Gabriel Mann. And Bob said, this is a cool idea, but you know, I've never been married. <laughs> I just don't feel right <laughs> being a named co-author and a book about something that I've never done. So, um, you know, and we, we mentioned this in the back of the book. So he's been kind of like the godfather of the book and he can feel his presence there. But no, this, is, this has been just our solo outing. It's also the first book I've ever written with my wife. I mean, that's mm -hmm. been really a, an incredible experience. And honestly, Josh, we didn't, I mean, we didn't know how's this going to work. It's something we've never done before. It worked great. 
Wow. So is this, uh, obviously there's something so, so wonderful about you and your wife writing the go-giver marriage, like such a great storyline and thread tied in there. Anna, what was the process like? Have you written before? I have. I've written a lot before. I've published in psychology circles and in journals and in different places, but mostly from an academic perspective. And it's funny when, uh, you know, John really clearly wrote the parable part of the story. And the second half, which is how to engage the five secrets, mm-hmm. was written by me. But being an academic, I, I have to give John the credit for making it really very readable. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's certainly something, John, uh, in, uh, apparent in all of your writing. They are very readable. Well, I was just going to say, it's funny because I actually came originally from an academic background. My, my dad was a college professor, a musicologist. Uh, my mom was an English teacher, but she was also a playwright and she was you know, very creative. But mm-hmm. I, I grew up with that academic style. That's the style of writing that I knew as a youngster, which is there's nothing wrong with that writing, but it's, it's you know, the long sentences and long paragraphs and fairly dry and quite frankly, hard for most people to read, <laughs> you know, put you to sleep in, in half a page. And so, you know, I come from that background too, but I've had a couple of decades of working that out of myself and then learning how to write in a way that tells a story that people can read. People can just go suck it up. So yeah, it, it was really, really fun to work with Anna. She's been my number one reader, both in terms of my best reader and also my first reader of every book I've done. And that's mm-hmm. over 30 published books. Mm-hmm. So she's been part of my process of writing with everything I've done. But putting her, we've never put her in the driver's seat of, of you know, half a book before. And that was just an absolute blast. It worked out really better than I even could have imagined. I never knew that. Uh, I love that you learn things all the time that Bob Berg was never married. And that's the reason he's like, hey, I, I can't do this. Um, I love associating things like this to business and entrepreneurship, where he very astutely said, you know what, I've never been married. So I don't really feel like I could write about that. How do you feel that for, for business or entrepreneurship, that it, it's helpful to really consume and embody what you're putting out there as who you are and what you know? Do you want to address that, sweetheart? Sure, go for it. I think that it's, you know, there's obviously and inarguably, there is a, a unique value to talking about something that you know, Right. But there's also the thing where you can, I believe, you can apply principles that you that you know to other areas that you don't have firsthand familiarity with, particularly as a, as a, as a novelist in, in writing fiction. You don't have to have had cancer to write about a cancer patient. You don't have to be an astronaut to write about space travel. We have this capacity for imagination. So it's always, you can always project your, your understanding of the universe to particular parts of the universe. In relation to a book like this, though, I think that what you're, you know, what you're really buying when you buy this book is the person's experience. I mean, what you're really buying from us both is our experience in marriage. And by the way, it's not our first rodeo for either one of us. We've both been married before. So we've both experienced, you know, the book is called, the, the subtitle is A Five Secrets to Lasting Love. Well, we've both experienced love and, and marriage that didn't last. You know, so we've kind of seen, it's kind of like writing about business and you've had a bankruptcy. I think that's incredibly valuable. I want to learn from entrepreneurs who have gone through bankruptcies 
and then created massively successful businesses because they've learned sort of all sides of the situation. And that's, you know, that's, I think, what both of us bring bring to this. We've seen a lot. <laughs> yeah, I felt, Anna, as I was reading it, I felt that this is probably so valuable for happily married couples to reiterate and reinforce what they're doing. Married couples who are in any sort of tumultuous situation from small, medium, or large, and even somebody who's not married, right, to learn what's possible. Is that, is that how you, you're positioning this? I would position it that way. And I would also say that in the business world, every single person in every single corporation has to go home to either a wife or a family or a fiance or a live-in girlfriend or boyfriend. And the concepts of the go-giver have been so powerful for people that for the last 15 years, people have been writing to Bob and John and saying, I'm teaching this in the junior high and high school at my school. I'm teaching this to my sixth graders. I'm working with young couples and doing pastoral counseling, and I'm applying these principles to the work I'm doing with them. The actual action of giving, whether it's in business or in your personal life, changes you neurologically. I mean, there's a body of evidence that says that giving not only increases happiness, it's protective of your heart and makes your heart healthier. It affects every cell in your body. It decreases depression and raises feelings of well-being and happiness. It raises endorphins. I mean, there's just so much evidence that giving in any corner, whether it's in business and learning how to give to a client or give to a colleague without expectation. Hmm. And, you know, Bob is a genius at teaching that. But the concept of giving in relationships is such a cornerstone of what makes a relationship powerful. And yet we don't talk about it. And in fact, people in that talk about codependence will have you believe that if you are giving to your partner, that you're locked in some codependent pattern where you're trying to people please them. And it's actually the opposite. If you're genuinely giving without expectation, you're appreciating, attending to, you know, you're taking care of ways that you can feed the relationship by just bringing a lots of goodness to it. It's just, it's just really powerful. In therapy circles, you know, you're in a room with two people. And believe it or not, a lot of the energy in the room is one person blaming the other or criticizing the other and the other person blaming and criticizing the other. And the therapist spends a great deal of time sort of smoothing the covers and trying to get everybody to just sort of chill and let's talk more diplomatically and not, not with any naming, blaming or scorekeeping. And when you work with somebody individually and you're just coaching them on you know, the ways that they can feed the relationship through the ways that they behave. You're talking about changing yourself, not about trying to change the other person. It completely separates itself from any codependent models. John? What I was going to say comes in the heels of that. There's this, you know, the whole go-giver principle, the whole go-giver idea is that living with a spirit of generosity, that is to say, living with your focus on how can I add value to the other person's life? rather than worrying about what I'm going to get. How can I look to give whatever I have, you know, time, attention, focus, care, compassion, interest, you know, uh, respect, what have you, support. 
how can I look to give rather than with a focus on, on get? That if I do that, I'm going to have more. I'm going to end up richer for it, both financially, reputationally, and we're saying also emotionally and personally. So there's this traditional view of economics. Economics is called the dismal science. And the traditional view is if I give you some of my lumber, well, you'll have more, but I'll have less. So if I give, I lose. Well, that may be true in terms of lumber and gold ducats, but it's not true in terms of love, affection, companionship, attention, time, respect, care, experience, devotion. It's not true of all the things, all of the pieces of human experience that matter in a relationship. The building blocks of a relationship all have this constitution, which is if you give them away, you have more. Your store increases. That's the fundamental idea here, that it's really easy in a relationship, particularly an intimate relationship, whether that's a marriage or it's two very close colleagues or whatever, whatever kind of intimacy we're talking about. It's very easy in that relationship to start thinking about it as a zero-sum game. Hmm. Like if, you, if I give an in, too many inches, I'm going to lose that many inches. If I give you more of my time, well, then I don't have enough time to do what I need to do. If I give you the spotlight, well, then I don't have the spotlight. And that's what we're saying. That's a losing proposition. That's how love disintegrates. That how, that's how a relationship disintegrates. Our point of view is live with generosity. How can I improve that person's life? knowing that the us of it, the whole of the two of us, is just going to grow and, and become enriched by it. What was the process like? Because I imagine when you were writing all this as a husband and wife team who live together, not much different than a husband and wife team who are running a business together. They're at the office all day together. They come home. They're together there. So how was the writing time where we're at the office time versus now we're turning like how did you navigate through that <laughs> the same way the same way we are on this podcast we're about 25 feet <laughs> apart we're both hacking away on our computers and we zip it back and forth to each other and say what do you think about this and and, and believe it or not the five secrets we've been talking about for 15 years because we really feel there are real concepts. There are real oh. actionable ways that you can build a relationship that's just so simple, but so powerful. And so we kind of had those nailed down a long time ago, because I've been a therapist for a long time. I trained as a therapist 35 years ago. And I, I had the opportunity to train with some brilliant people that were trained by John, uh, Dr. John Gottman, and Terry Real and other people that are just really on top of their game. So I've, I've spent a lot of time being able to define what doesn't work. And, you know, the go-giver itself is just such a powerful concept of adding value. What would it really mean to just add value to someone's life every day? I'll add to that, that you talk about how it worked for us to work together on this. And we've been in business together, actually. Um, um, we've Done, we both we're both entrepreneurs. We both worked from home for you know for decades, most of our lives really. So working on a project together isn't new for us. Although working on a writing project like this is 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 new for us. But I think one of the reasons it, it's worked for us. Every couple is different. You know, we both happen to be introverts who cherish our alone time. One of the secrets I think 
to the success of our working relationship is we both have a healthy sense of separation. I love doing things with Anna that I've never loved with a, you know, a significant other before. I love shopping. We love shopping together. We love cooking together. There's just so much we love doing together. But we spend a lot of time apart. Anna has an unshakable sense of respect for my time alone in my office. And I have the same for her. If we didn't have that, we would drive each other nuts. Because we both, the way we're constituted, we need alone time to kind of cook our process, to figure out what we're doing, to do it. So in some entrepreneurial situations, you don't always have that luxury because you, you may be more hands-on involved in an actual, like a retail situation or a plant or an operation that's physically, you're, you're interacting all day, day long. But I think that one of the secrets to working together is working apart. It's, mm. it's a paradox, but it's, it's an essential paradox. What I find fascinating about the whole Go-Giver brand is that while reading through this book and I have the Kindle version and my goodness, I just love being able to highlight on the Kindle because then you can click a button and see all of your highlights for Oh yeah, It's the greatest thing. And what I love about this Go-Giver book is, I don't know if they're considered Easter eggs, but they're really nods to <laughs> the Go-Giver fan. Even if you've read one of the books, let alone several of them. Uh, and I just, I just love that. That obviously intentional to sprinkle in all these references. There are characters, of course. Uh, there's a casting, in the casting characters in The Go-Giver Marriage, you'll find specific people who come into the story from every one of the other Go-Giver books. And that was, of course, a blast to do. That was like, you know, writing a series of movies and you want to see the, the actors from the first movie appear in the fourth movie. That was, was really, it was a blast. There are also specific lines and, you know, situations that we took from a prior book and dropped in here really as just as a gesture of a fondness to our, to our readers. As you say, it's a gesture to the fans, Easter eggs. But we also really wanted to follow up with some of those people. There are three women, each from one of the different prior Go-Giver books, who represent marriage and relationship in three different stages. And we wanted to see how have they done in the years and what's happened with them. One of them you know, was single in the first Go-Giver book, and now she's married, and she went through a process with that. Uh, one had a child who died in the second Go-Giver book, and there's a process with that. One of them uh, in the Go-Giver Influencer, there was a, a man and a woman who started out at the beginning of the book. They were on opposite sides of a negotiating table, and they were like pitched enemies, basically, uh, for most of the book until they kind of worked out their, their business thing. And uh, I don't want to say too much, but in the Go-Giver marriage, they take the relationship a step further. And that was kind of fun to write. I'm literally getting the chills listening to it. It feels like I'm, I'm like listening to George Lucas talk to me about some like Star Wars stuff. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. Yeah. This is absolutely great. <laughs> yeah. It's just so good. Yeah. yeah. You see Luke growing up, yes, and Luke's children and so forth, yes. <laughs> we left out George R. Banks, though. <clears throat> so certainly the, the, the audience for the book will be tapping into, no doubt, the fan base and the uh, readers of, yeah. of The Go-Giver in general. Yeah, although I also think that we're going to it's interesting. We, we publish this with a different publisher than all the other Go-Giver books. We love that publisher and we have a great relationship with them, but they're a business publisher. Mm. And they said, we love this book. It's fantastic. It's beautiful, but we don't have the machinery to sell a book that isn't about business. So, you know, we have a different publisher. 
I think we will also find a, a substantial audience of people who never heard of the go-giver, who don't have a particular business interest, mm -hmm. who are entrepreneurs, but they're in a relationship. And so we're very excited about reaching those people too. Like you said, people who are married and doing great, but want to, want to replenish, people who are in trouble in their marriage, people who aren't married yet and, and want to figure out how to do it right, uh, you know, learn from mistakes before they make mistakes. And, and, and even people who have been married and are going to look in the place where they're, they're looking at maybe doing that again because they've been divorced. A lot of people fit that category. Um, we fit that category. We were married before. We're, we have a, a second chance to, uh, you know, to get it right. And that's worked out. <laughs> that's amazing. And are you, are you both talking about now that you have, you said that this was your first book that you've written together. What's been the conversation on uh, about, well, do we do it again? I think there's always a conversation about doing it again. I mean, John and I both love to write. There's a lot of different topics that we want to write on, not necessarily in the go-giver world. We are, you know, we have just a ton of different things that we're interested in that we would like to address and talk to, speak to. So yeah, it's an ongoing conversation. You know, we are really big walkers and um, we get out and walk in the morning. We walk at night or in the evening. And um, our dog is very appreciative of it because he loves coming with us. And we have, you know, some of our most meaningful conversations about projects, about where we're going, about things that we're thinking about, you know, just long walks are incredibly intimate opportunities to just be by yourselves and get down on any other and any topic that's that's before you. So when I said we had come to the five secrets a long time ago, those were really developed on long walks where we would yep. really talk about and because some days we'd walk four or five miles at a shot and you know we would just really get into diving deep on a topic and we still do that we'll even sometimes read the same book and discuss it while we're walking so yeah i feel like there's a lot of projects that we have in mind and of course john is really committed to writing novels at this point as well so um that's a very you know, exciting new chapter that's going for him. And there's no collaboration. Well, there is one book that we talk about collaborating on, which is a, a novel, but, um, and it's one that I've been working on. So we talk about it as a collaboration, but, you know, we just both love the work. We love the, we love to write and we love, I love to teach. I've been a teacher my entire life. So, and, and John has for a good portion of his life as well. He's been teaching about leadership, for over 35, 40 years. I mean, that's a really prime topic for him. The go-giver leader is, you know, there's a lot of John's deep feelings about what leadership really is. We were good friends before we were an item, before we were romantically yeah. entangled. I mean, we were colleagues and really and really close friends. I fell in love with with what's going on in her in her brain. I fell in love with the rest of her too in, in, in due time. But you know, I, I just love the way she thinks. I love her thoughts. Uh, most thoughtful person I've, I've ever met. So we we love not just the work, but we also love you know seeing what each other thinks about something and exploring that. You know, don't count out the possibility of another go-giver book or two as well. So yeah, we have we have a bunch of projects in our future. What was the the relationship before you were an item, as you said? What was the nature of you guys meeting? We were both involved in the same business. Um, we, we both were, you know, had a tangential colleagal relationship. 
um, in, in a sales business that we were part of, it was a nutritional sales business. And then we were involved in, a, in both writers in a, in a publication, a magazine, oh, wow. uh, where I was an editor, she was a senior editor. And so we, we kind of knew each other through our work before we became who we are now. And we also had a successful business consulting business for many, many years and consulted some, to some very, very large corporations around the country. So we, we have been, in fact, that was a really interesting experience as a woman and a man in a business situation, because there were moments in the boardroom oh, yeah. where I clearly knew that the person that needed to deliver the message that was more or less a hammer was John. So I, you know, I mean, there, there's a real skill sometimes to being a consulting team that's a man and a woman in a situation, depending on the company and depending on their values, um, things of that sort. The go-giver principles, though, have been with both of us for decades. I mean, I was really raised by two teachers, and my parents were the most giving people you would ever want to know. And I mean, they, they donated their time all over our community. They were just amazingly good people. So I, I feel like I fell in love with the, the original go-giver. I remember reading the first draft straight out of, I think I read it ahead of Bob even. And I was just enamored, just completely taken off my chair. It, it, it's a brilliant piece of work. And Bob and John are just, you know, they both live it. Yeah. And speaking of that classic, you're still selling copies in, what is it, a million plus to date, right? It's a million plus. It sold over a million copies. The original Go Giver, as you mm -hmm. said, the, the Red Book, Little Red Book, not the one by Mao, the one by us. Um, <laughs> the, uh, sold over a million copies. Uh, it's out in, I think, 26 languages or something along wow. those lines. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's not slowing down. It's like, it, it's, it's really interesting because the, the first year it came out, it actually didn't pick up until the second year. It was during the financial crash back in 2008, 2009. And then- wow. 10 years later, it was selling more briskly than it was when it first came out. Usually books kind of go like that. They have a long tail, but it's a, it's a small tail. Uh, Go-Giver is more popular now than it was 13 years ago, I guess, when it came out. So um, going on 14. So yeah, it's yep. it's got longevity. It's got legs, as we like to say in the biz. Yeah, and we've spoken. There's there's plenty of recorded dialogue of you and I talking all about that. Yes, there book. is. And still, one of my favorite stories about it that I, um, I I periodically bring up is the idea that you got rejected twenty plus times, right? And yes. the the <laughs> idea, the acknowledgement that if you hadn't gotten rejected and if someone took it prematurely it most certainly would not have been the success it is today. It needed, is, it needed that, that base thing, right? I just love that whole concept. I, I think, you know, to me, the core ingredient for, oh, go ahead, sweetheart, say something. You're gonna- I, I just wanna say that I not only witnessed that um, process of it being rejected, it got rewritten, yeah. it got, you know, a lot of work was done to edit it and to, to bring it to the place where it is today. But the go-giver marriage, you know, John has written so many parables. He wrote the, the uh, Out of the Maze with Spencer Johnson. He yep. wrote um, The Latte Factor mm -hmm. with David Bach. I mean, that's a brilliant little parable. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's just been so many that I know he would never say this, but there are editors in New York who refer to him as the parable king. And I think this particular parable is an absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's just a brilliant story. It's so beautiful. 
But yeah, I just, I feel like the book is just, um, I don't know, it's, it's got a, a whole different energy that, that I think, I think people way outside of the go-giver circles will find this book. And I think it will float a lot of go-giver books. When we were working on it, I happened to, you know, I subscribed to masterclass.com. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, I, I happened to have, have just watched the Neil Gaiman masterclass. I love Neil Gaiman's writing. And Neil Gaiman, who wrote American Gods and um, the Stardust, which just made into a lovely movie, and, and uh, um, Coraline and so many wonderful books. He's, he, he writes fantasy, largely, but he's just a lovely, lovely, lovely writer. And I was under Neil's spell. Uh, and so when I was writing the parable. As Anna says, the first half of the book is a parable about two, a couple named Tom and Tess, and they're in a business situation. They go through their trials and tribulations. But I was trying to figure out how to, how to express the principles that we wanted to express. And it suddenly came out as a sort of a fairy tale within the parable. So for those who haven't read the book yet, there's a character in the, in the parable who starts telling a story. And it's like the fairy tale. So the fairy tale within a parable yeah. and, or a fable within a parable. And that's um, in that fable, there, there are two characters called the young man and the princess. And, you know, they are thinly veiled. I guess after it was written, we, I realized they are pretty thinly veiled versions of, of Anna and myself. So I'm the young man. She's the princess. <laughs> so it feels very there's, personal. I there's guess another, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> there's another piece in the parable that I want to pay homage to, homage to in terms of Tess and Tom and their trials and tribulations being around the fact that they have a special need child. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I don't know if it's of any interest to readers to know, but both John and I have a special needs ch child from our previous marriages um, that are still in our lives today and, and that are, you know, adults and raising a child with special needs. There's a reference in the parable about the neurologist telling them to go home and have another baby. And that actually happened to me. Mm. I give up. I had a neurologist. One, you know? wow, I yeah. had a neurologist say, "Put a helmet on her and go home and have another." Wow. And I mean, it makes you want to strangle them right there on the floor of their office. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just can't even believe they can be that. You know, they can speak that way. But I, I mentioned that just because that was part of the premise of the story was that we really wanted people to understand that. You know, a good 85% of marriages that have a child with special needs end in divorce. And yeah, it's, and it's even 90% in some circles. It's an incredibly stressful thing to have a child with real needs. And it's happening all over America. I mean, if you can go on Very Facebook common. or yeah. Instagram or anywhere, you see parents that are struggling with a child with autism or, you know, child, and it, and it can disrupt the entire family. And it certainly has a disruptive impact on the marriage. So, you know, that was a that was a thread that we really thought about and that we put into the story because we wanted people to understand that there's stresses outside of, you know, it's not just affairs or mm. you've gained 20 pounds and I'm not or, interested in you anymore. You know, it's not simple things yeah. that make. Yeah. Or addiction or things like that. It's not simple things that break up marriages. It's oh. the complexity yeah, of everyday and, life. And, and, and no marriage happens in a vacuum. I mean, and, and we, we understand that. Yes, there's a fable. Yes, there's a parable. But real life is real life. And it's, it's, it's very real. Nobody's life happens in a, in, a, in a vacuum. Even people who look totally successful on the outside are struggling with things that we don't know they're struggling with. Everybody walking around the street, everybody you encounter is, is struggling with something. 
or many somethings. And, and we don't typically show it because why would we? So, you know, part of the part of the deal here is is living with compassion, living with compassion for people who are doing the best they can and finding ways to support them and to be and, and approach them with generosity rather than from the point of view of, well, what can this person do for me? <laughs> Let me direct this question to the parable king. No, there's not. <laughs> prefer parable, parable hefe, or parable capo, capo di capo. But anyway, go ahead, please. Uh, first, let's. How do you quickly? Before I get into the question, how do you quickly define parable in this context? A parable, you know, in, in some ways, the go giver is a novel because they, all the all the parables are, are novels. But a parable is a story in which the particulars are stripped down to the bare bones. It's it's a story that is told intentionally in the simplest terms to make a point, to make a point about the human experience. Frequently, there's a lesson, like Aesop's fables always have a moral at the end, right? Um, the parables of the Bible, of the New Testament, you know, typically they're to teach a principle. That's what parables are. You look at the, uh, uh, the one-minute manager. It has three principles that it teaches. And so it goes. That's the point of a parable. Still, my, my point of view is for a parable to work, and I'm talking about the modern, you know, a modern published parable. It's going to work as a book. The characters may be simple. The story may be simple. It may not have all the rich detail that a novel has, but the characters have to be real. Their pain, their struggle has to be real. Their emotions, their feelings have to be real. Their relationships have to be real. And that's, that's the, the, the challenge of a parable is to keep it very simple and yet keep it real. You know, one of the beauties of being a co-author of the Go-Giver books is for over a decade, Bob and I both heard it now, Anna and I, I'm sure we'll hear it when this book is published, heard people say, you know, I don't really read books. There are such people, Josh. There are many, many, many people, millions of people who don't <laughs> read books. I haven't read a book since college, but I read the Go-Giver in a weekend. And oh my God, that is so gratifying to hear. It's so, so gratifying to hear. That's because a parable is simple. It's easy to read. Yet if it doesn't have depth, if it doesn't have the richness of real human experience, it's like, you know, why bother? Nobody will be interested. And funny, that's what my, thank you uh, for anticipating my question. <laughs> I, I asked you to define a parable and then uh, I, I was perfect because I was going to ask, the danger is that a parable is so simplistic that you could yep. easily fall into cheesiness, stereotypes, and just missing the mark, but you don't. So what, again, is that additional element? Is it just the depth of the character? Because, again, the words and the sentences are almost so simplistic, but it doesn't you register know? as that. It's the secret is intention. It's all about intention. By the way, what you said, the danger, how they can become too shallow, too simplified, too simplistic. That's why parables have a bad reputation in so many business circles. There are a lot of people in business say, oh, I hate parables. Right. I hate them because they've read parables that are probably too simple, uh, uh, you know, too, too, two dimensional, one dimensional. You ask, what's the secret to making that work? It's intention. If your intention is to teach X and Y and Z, you know, you write a parable in order to teach these principles. Mm -hmm. you, you might as well give a lecture, you know, or do a PowerPoint uh, or do a seminar. If you, wanna, if you want to convey something about the human experience through a story, then your intention has to be to tell the story of the people. 
tell the story of the characters. Yes, you have principles in the back of your mind and you know those are gonna come out, but your focus is on the characters. So the, the go-giver marriage was an idea we had for over a decade, but it didn't start to exist until Tom and Tess existed. Tom and Tess are the heart of the, of the story. And that's because every marriage isn't about principles. It isn't about ideas. It isn't about abstractions. It's about, it's about the realities of the two people's lives. You know, we want to make this real. Uh, and so, you know, our marriage isn't about what I think a woman should be or what I think a wife should be or how I think a couple should behave. It's about Anna. My marriage is about this other person. That's my marriage. Yeah. Being real about the person. And I'll, I'll add to that just to say that we have met a lot of people who have said that they hated parables because they had read this or that business parable that was truly one-dimensional. Mm, and yeah. it, it kind of smacked you with the message and, and didn't have any humanity in terms of characters. And I think that the difference when John writes a parable is that every character is believable, is, has a great deal of humanity. And it's the same when he writes novels. His characters mm -hmm. are rich, they're engaging. Um, he really is, well, and it's why I married him. He's just very, very skilled in relationship. I mean, the man is a very human, human being. And I think that it just, that just effuses from him in his writing. Oh, that's secret number two and secret number four, all in one fell swoop for those who want to read the book. You know, I pick up on that. Perfect. You're, you're living. Very very good, man. Uh, Very good, Grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when do when do we get the John David Mann Masterclass through Masterclass.com? Hey, that's a great question. Um, I think it's going to be a Thursday, but I'm not sure which Thursday. <laughs> well, it must be because I certainly get we'll work, all we'll work of on this. Yeah, I certainly get all of those uh, Masterclass ads on my YouTube feed when they're like, oh, "I'm so Neil." DeGrasse Tyson and you, I'm like, okay, yeah, well, yeah. John needs to be sitting you're in not. that chair, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you yeah. Know. They're so great, by the way. I love those masterclasses, but yeah, I'm, you, I, you know, this very well, Josh, last year, I finally, after all these years of writing, wrote a book about how to write and the mm. book is called how to write good, how to write good, or at least gooder. Love it. Yes. And, we, uh, and yeah. That, yeah. I was just going to say, we, that, right? yeah, 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 exactly. We had uh, promoted that so, and spoke about it. Anna has been, you know, one of the one of the one of the principles in the book is about believing in the other the other person, having a core, unshakable belief in their core character and who they are. Anna has been my, like my rock of faith about me ever since I've known her. She's the person who said for years and years and years, "You'd be great at writing novels," and and I would always go, "Yeah, that's nice of you to say," but I I didn't believe it. Wow. But she did. And the, the first novel, Steel Fear, as you know, the dedication on the first page says to Anna, who believed, you know, who told me for years that I could write novels until I finally believed it too. Mm. And that's, she's been telling me now for the last couple of years, I need to do a course, an online course on how to write. And I've been going like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, I know better. I know better than to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She believes it. It's, it's going to come true. You do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Steel Fear, we were talking about this before the record button. Um, got a chance to read it. What is it? Six months ago? Eight months ago? 
extraordinary literally and i know this is what you want to hear with a novel especially a thriller literally a page turner like literally turning (laughs) hang on hang on i'll be right there one one second (laughs) three hours later yeah Yeah. and then you peek like how many more to the end of the chapter let me just finish this chapter okay i got six pages left i'll be there really good (laughs) that's great love to hear it uh i mean Gosh, we could talk all day, uh, and I know um, we we certainly have spoken many times in the past. I know this won't be the last time we we connect. Tell me about um, where can people go right now, whether they're a big fan of The Go-Giver or just introduced to it to the first time, where should they go immediately to secure their copy? GoGiverMarriage.com. All right. I'll say it's available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, independent bookstores, you know, you name it, wherever books are sold, it's there. But we encourage you to go to gogivermarriage.com because we have a pre-order special, which if if you follow the the, the breadcrumbs on that page, um, you'll get some goodies. And one of those goodies is a, is a live Zoom fireside chat that Anna and I are going to do right after the book comes out, where we'll be doing Q&A with people who are in attendance live. And that's really going to be fun. And so we want to have a lot of people there because, you know, it's going to be our only opportunity to do that. And there are some other other gifts and video masterclasses and so speaking of masterclass um, and so forth. So that's why we encourage people to go to that URL. If you're interested in the book, gogivermarriage.com. Absolutely wonderful. Anna, what do you want to leave the listener with before we part? I would say that one of the secrets to making your marriage last is spending the time that you need for your own personal growth and growing. And for me, engaging in new books, constantly learning, being somebody who's curious, who's constantly learning and who's taking on new avenues of growth, um, whether it's taking a cooking class to learn Indian cooking or Chinese cooking or, you know, some specialty thing that you've never learned before or learning a specific type of gardening or going back to college and taking on a new course of study, the more you give to taking care of yourself, the more you have to offer in a relationship, the more you bring to the relationship because you become infinitely more interesting. And so I guess I share that. And also that um, I really, really look forward to hearing from readers. I mean, we are actually um, starting a coaching program next fall. Um, We'll be training coaches that will be coaching. This is a one-on-one method. It's not therapy. Mm. It's working with one member of the couple. And you can work with both of them, but you would work with them separately. So we're training up um, coaches that will be working um, because I I work as a coach directly with people who want to work on their marriage and how to to take their relationship to the next level. And uh, so I would also offer that just as something for people to think about because it's never too late to shift the tone in your relationship, but you're the one that shifts it. Amen. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. Big yeses. John David Mann, Anna Gabriel Mann, such a good dialogue, such a great pleasure. Congratulations on all of this momentum. I love being right alongside with you. I'm subscribed to your newsletter, so people should get on that as well. JohnDavidMann.com, a great website with all the goodies too. Thank, Thank you, you so Thank you. much, Josh. I appreciate both of you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk again soon. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. 
Doesn't it feel great to start something and finish it? I love that feeling. Here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to my website, joshcarry.com slash podcast, and let me know exactly what you loved most about this episode. What did you learn? What did you discover? What are you going to do next? And I'm going to send you a free gift as my way of saying thanks. I appreciate you taking your time to tune in today. We'll do it again soon.